0: Well, hello there. Fancy meeting you here. My name is Tommy Jones, and this is my podcast. So let's take a few minutes, talk about life, and we will see where we end up. Welcome to Off the Cuff. I'm glad you're here. Hello again, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Tommy. I'm your host as always. Let me just start by saying this. If you are enjoying this podcast, if you're finding value in our time together, I would love for you to invite someone else to join us. Uh, you can share this on social media. You can text a friend. You can phone. I mean, we, you, know, however, you know how to invite people. But if you think this is fun, man, I think we've got a cool little community here. Uh, I hear from some of you and I enjoy that. Like when you have thoughts on this, uh, something you like, something you disagreed with, whatever. Uh, I enjoy getting the messages from you. So I think we're creating a cool little community and I I would love to invite more people into it. So if you're enjoying this, I would just love for you to do that. Let me also say this. I am working on a series right now that if you did the last one with me, I did like the seven day devotional on heaven. I'm working on one right now that is basically a seven-day devotion on the fear of God. Uh, That may be like, I don't know if I want to do that, but I really think there's value in it. I think uh, the Bible says that that fear of God leads to wisdom. And I think sometimes we forget that not only is God the most loving being in the world, but he's also like the baddest dude to ever be. You know what I mean? I I don't mean bad like as in mean or evil, or I mean bad as in tough, that our God is the strongest, uh, most most amazing, most uh, just full of power. And so I am reading some verses about the power of God, and I'm going to come back with you guys in a few weeks and do like a seven-day meditation on the power of God. We're going to share some of what I believe are some of just the coolest, like toughest verses from God about himself. And then we're going to meditate on how powerful our God is. And I think that's going to be fun. And I think you will too. And I look forward to it. And so that's what's coming. But let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Here's what I want to talk about today. I think this will be fun. Today I want to talk about my favorite Bible verses that aren't in the Bible. Um, I that's that's let's title that this my favorite Bible verses that aren't in the Bible and I've been thinking about this one for a minute but really this is this is more just kind of off the cuff thinking through some things with you there are a lot of things people say as if they are biblical quotes uh, you see these things on Facebook frequently certainly on Facebook frequently and people just say them a lot of times uh, I think people say these things in hospital rooms Um, they're visiting someone, they don't really know what to say. And so as we go through these three things, these are going to be things I'm going to encourage you not to say to someone who is experiencing great trauma. for several reasons. Number one is I don't really think they're biblical. And number two is I don't think they're helpful. And I have talked to people in trauma and these three statements don't really seem to help them. And so let's just go through my favorite Bible verses that aren't in the Bible. Number one on the list, y'all ready? That's a drum roll. Number one on the list is this. God will never put more on you than you can handle. Ah, that's, that's number one. It's one of my favorite verses. That is from 1st, back of the Bible, 719, God will never put more on you. I I think that is a distortion of an actual verse. There is an actual verse that says 1st Corinthians 10. Now all these we're going to talk about, three of them. I think they're all kind of distortions of actual verses. 1st Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Okay, so I think that's where it comes from, but this idea that God will never put more on you than you can handle. People say this all the time. They tell each other this. They post it on Facebook. Let me, let me tell you the truth. I think you can see this biblically from cover to cover. You will frequently experience more than you can handle in this life. That's number one. You will experience more than you can handle. If you could handle it, you would not need God. So uh, that's, let's just start there. If you could handle it on your own, God would be unnecessary in your life. If they could have handled it, the Holy Spirit would have been unnecessary at Pentecost. Uh, so um, you, you'll constantly face things you can't handle, especially on your own. That's one of the reasons I think we're called to be people who live inside of community, because in your life, there will be things that you cannot handle on your own. And there have been so many times when I was in a situation that I could not handle. That is why I needed God. That is why I needed community. That is why I needed counseling. That is why I needed resources. That's why I needed a hospital. I can can promise you this when I was seven and I lost my leg in that car wreck and I was in that car, I was in a situation that I could not handle. I needed medical attention. Can you imagine? You find someone and they're in a situation. Oh, don't worry. You'll be able to handle that. No, I can't. I'm bleeding. I need help. And so there will be situations in life that you cannot handle. That's just the reality of life. It's the reality of of the biblical narrative. Um, So let's start with that. Uh, you will have situations that you cannot handle. The second part is this, is we say that passage, God wouldn't put things on you, as if God put everything on you. And we're going to talk more about that in number two, I think, but everything that happens in your life is not something that God put on you. I mean, you can imagine, you know, you've got someone and I don't know. Let me think of a scenario that doesn't offend anyone. I'm, this is always hard. So imagine someone goes to a, um, they go to an Arkansas Razorback football game, and they're wearing Texas uniform. And every single Razorback person they see, they say. Uh, Texas is better than Arkansas. You guys stink. I hate you. And they're just making a jerk of themselves and they're being rude to everybody in the crowd, which I've seen. So imagine they're doing that. And now imagine this person takes a beating. Like there's a crowd of 50 people around them. They're about to beat him. Is that person, should they think to themselves, well, I can handle this because God would never put anything on me that I can't handle. God didn't put that on you you put that on you. You put that on you by acting like a jerk. Now, I'm not saying everything in your life is something you put on you, but many times I see that, you know, someone, they smoke for 80 years and they've got this situation they're dealing with. It's like, oh man, God wouldn't have put that. God didn't put that on you. Bad health choices put that on you, you know? And again, there are things that happen. I'm with you. There are things that happen that are out of your control. that are just environmental or crazy, but a lot of the uh, predicaments A lot of the situations we find ourselves in, we put ourselves in, and so God didn't put that on you. And so let's just let's debunk that one right now. God will not put more on you than you can handle. That's not biblical. It's it's a silly thing to say. Number two, which I think goes with this one, and it's this one: everything happens for a reason. Y'all ever heard? Oh my gosh, this is. I probably hear this one. More than just about anything, everything happens for a reason. Such a common saying, although it's not actually found in the Bible. There's a verse in Romans that, again, I think this uh, was taken from a, a verse and sort of distorted. And that verse says, and it's in Romans eight twenty-eight. Paul's writing this, and it says, And we know, Then maybe if you grew up in church, you know this one, And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Okay, that's not saying everything happens for a reason. That's saying that in uh, the midst of things, God is still working. Uh, Things sometimes happen. One of my favorite sayings is not everything is something. And like, I want that on my tombstone. Not everything is something. Sometimes things just happen because we live in a broken, fallen world. And although God is sovereign, meaning he is all powerful, he has all the control, I do not believe that he is a um, puppeteer in heaven orchestrating every single event that's happening because he's given us free will. And so inside of our free will, situations are created where things happen. things happen, but not every single thing that's happening is something that God has orchestrated for some massive purpose. Now, can God use everything as part of his plan? Yes, of course. Any situation you find yourself in, that if you turn over to God, then God can work that thing for good for those who love him. But I have seen people in horrendous circumstances in situations that were simply the result of a broken, fallen world that I don't believe were part of God's beautiful, glorious, sovereign plan. And people come in and say, ah, man, that happened for a reason. Really? What was the reason? Oh, yeah. The reason was Adam and Eve ate the apple. I mean, sin, brokenness, destruction, death. Uh, God's, God's plan is perfection and God is redeeming that. And one day there will be a world with no more crying and no more tears and no more pain and no more sorrow. And so there will be a day when God restores all that is broken. But everything that happens in this broken world, I don't believe is being orchestrated by God for a purpose. But I do believe that when the people of God take these situations to God, he can work through them to achieve a purpose. Does that make sense? Are you with me? It's not like he pushed the button that said, you know, make, uh, what's a horrific, make um, make Columbine happen. I don't think that. God didn't push a Columbine button. Make Columbine happen. That's school shooting. But for the people who live through that, who turned that situation, their pain, over to God, then God took that pain and used it for a purpose of forwarding the kingdom of God. Do you, do you see the difference? And so everything happens for a reason. Just Crap happens. Bad things happen. Bad things happen because we live in a broken world. And not every bad thing that's happened is part of God's good and perfect plan, but all things given to God can work together to achieve his good and perfect plan. And so everything happens for a reason. I think I think we may want to retire that one for just a little bit. And let's see here, here's my third one for today. And I, I think I may come back and do this again later, but because it's kind of fun. Here's my third one. And I and I, I say this one carefully, this third one carefully. I say it carefully. I really do. I say it with love and gentleness because I know this has so much meaning to so many people. But when People say something like this. God took my loved one because he needed another angel. God took. I, I, sat, I sat in a meeting one day where someone said, you know, God took your loved one. They were talking to another loved one in the room they, because God needed another angel. Guys, not only is that really bad theology, I just don't think it's helpful. Uh, angels and humans are different, and humans do not become angels. I know see, some of you may listen, you're like, but like, the, I don't even know where this came from. Uh, Psalm 8:5 says, You have made them, human beings, a little lower than the angels, and crowned them with glory and honor. And so, I mean, in Genesis, God creates man and woman. He creates male and female. Now there are angels present, but humans don't become angels. Otherwise, think about it. How would we, one day humans, those of us who who were created in the image of God, we will stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ. We're not standing in front of it as humans. I mean, as angels, we're standing in front of it as humans. We're not. We don't live as humans and then we're judged as angels. We live as humans and then we Experience life with Christ forever in a reclaimed earth, as in in, in one day a reclaimed creation. As humans, Uh, dead people aren't angels. Angels are a different being. They're a different created order of being than us. Uh, It's no kind of like thinking, you know, in reincarnation that you die as a person, then you become a chihuahua or something. You, You just don't. That's not the way it works. You're a you're a human. You're a human. You're a human. Uh, now, one day we're a perfected human. Um, one day, you know, we're, we're, we're a human who stands face-to-face with God as intended in the Garden of Eden when there's a new heaven and a new earth, but never at any point in my eternal existence will I be an angel. And so I just think we need to to get that. And, and we sort of get bogged down in a lot of like what's almost, um, I don't know, uh, what, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh what's the word for relative? Relative worship. Uh, I I can't think of the word, but where we're worshiping our relatives, we're worshiping our past. There are religions that do that. We don't do that. Uh, We don't pray to dead humans. Uh, That's just not what we do. And we have this idea that, you know, my loved one is watching over me. And I, I think there may be some Sufficient grounds that you could make an argument that your loved one, if they were in Christ, is aware of what's happening here in heaven. Uh, there's a passage that says there's a great cloud of witnesses uh, that seem to be rejoicing at what happens here. So you may make an argument that your loved one is watching over you. I certainly know that makes us feel good, and I under I understand. Why well, that would make us feel good, but what I tend to believe is, once my loved one is in heaven, that to be absent from the body is to be con- is to be you know connected with the King. So even though there's a day coming when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and and there will be a final thing that it, who, your loved ones who are in Christ, they die today, they're somehow connected with God in a unique and mysterious way. And so if they're connected to God in a unique and mysterious way, I think their eyes are probably on Jesus, not on me, not on what's going on here. I think I, I, once my loved one is with Christ, I think Christ is the fullness of their focus and their energy and their power, and I think their 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 worship and their praise and their adoration. I think all eyes in heaven are on the King of Heaven, and, and you know it's and you hear these people say, you know, I'm, I'm asking my my dad to just help me in this situation. You don't need to pray to a deceased family member for intercession. Um, I don't believe that's a good idea. I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that's what we are supposed to do. You don't ask your deceased uncle to show up and help you in this situation. There is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus the Christ. So the only person that we should be praying to for help inside of situations and, and communicating with for help inside of situations, I believe is Jesus. Now, I'm not knocking. I get it, man. I I, I mean, I don't get it because I've never been there, but I can understand the emotion of wanting to communicate with a lost loved one or believing that they're an angel or believing that they're sitting beside you in some moment or, you know, putting little little trinkets around you to make you feel warm and, and fuzzy and whatnot. And maybe, I, I just don't see that in the Bible. And so I think, Our hope is not in that our loved one is sitting beside us, you know, um, putting Penny's heads up or something to make sure we see him. Our hope is that our loved one is in paradise face to face with the king of the universe. And although we want to to keep that connection with them, uh, our hope and our joy and our peace is that they are now connected with one who is greater. That what we only know in part, they know in full. And I do believe one day we will see them and we will recognize each other. I mean, it says what was bound on earth will be bound in heaven. I do believe we will recognize, we will know each other, and we will have kinship with one another. Uh, But short story, dead humans don't become angels. And so there's the three I want to deal with today. You can think about that. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you enjoyed this, man, share it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be working on a couple more of those seven-day devotionals. Uh, I hope to get those out soon. I love you guys. I love this little community. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, let me know. I love you guys. Jones out. Take it easy.